In today's episode of The Exit Plan, I talk to Andrew about his nine-year entrepreneurial journey with his video production company, Origins of Motion. Andrew sold his business to two existing employees and has since moved to South America. Look out for another listener M&A Q&A question answered by resident M&A expert Nick Berry at the end of today's episode. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Andrew. So I'm Andrew. Um, I ran my video production company, which is called Origins of Motion, for nine years. Um, long old stretch. And I recently exited, um, which was a big sort of uh, a big decision for us, I would say. Um, yeah, absolutely love my time as a, as a in, in the video world. Um, that's where I started out with kind of a small DSLR camera in hand, uh, running around making little promos for little high street shops and just kind of went from there, really, as a lot of us do. Um, yeah, it's been an interesting process. Um, we've recently moved overseas, um, you know, enjoying our time over here, um, my time in the video production world. I Basically, I started when I was a kid, right? And, um, right. and nine years later... Um, I'm married, I've, you know, my first uh, son has been born, um, we've moved overseas, there's a lot that's happened in that time, so um, it's been a really interesting journey and one that I really enjoyed. Cool, um, tell, me, tell me back to the beginning, so so it was you with the DSLR, w- London, or where, where were you? No, Cambridge, Cambridgeshire, yeah, so okay. I, was, I was in the small towns of, of Cambridgeshire, um, with a very basic skill set, which when I look back, I, I can be um, transparent enough or honest with myself enough to realise that. Um, but yeah, just kind of, you know, it was in the days where you stick something on Facebook and, and all your friends and family are going to want to, want you to offer that service, I guess it was, it was, it was nice and easy. So it was just really simple. It was kind of, I'd started a business prior to that, hadn't gone that well. I'd closed it within 18 months, didn't really know what to do next, had always kind of been involved in the film world. I'd worked in television before starting my video production company. Um, and it was just kind of the obvious thing, the thing that I enjoyed, I wanted to express myself creatively and I wanted to do it. I didn't want to work in the TV world where I felt kind of out of control. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like I, somebody else was dictating my schedule. I wanted to kind of have a bit more control over kind of my journey, I guess. But it wasn't and, really more thought through than that. Yeah. And how did you make the leap from kind of freelancer to production company? Because I know that's a, that's something that a lot of people struggle with. You know, how, how do you start sort of charging production company rates? <clears throat> excuse me. When it's still kind of like you and a, and a, and a camera. Yeah, so I think I I almost took that leap because I was so fed up of sitting in front of a computer editing because I think it didn't really suit me personally. I I was much better kind of being um, you know on locations, talking to clients, um, being that kind of I don't know, bringing that kind of energy. And when I kind of sat in front of my computer for days at a time, because you know inevitably you have one day of filming, you have four days of editing that kind of follow up. It just kind of drove me crazy. So I, I don't really think that I kind of have much choice. It, I kind of almost had to take that leap if I was going to stay in this field, really. Um, the way that I did it was I actually, one of my clients actually decided to invest in the business at a very early stage. Um, and that gave me uh, enough capital to hire my first employee. Now, it wasn't too, it was only a couple of years later that I kind of bought out um, that, you know, my business partner at the time and kind of, carried on with the business as a, as a sole owner but that that gave me the opportunity to well it just gave me the confidence to take that step I guess um, okay and um, what what did that look like how much equity did you did you sell um for for what kind of capital investment yeah. at the time it was um it was I think I got like 25 grand 
and 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 he took 40 percent of the business i think that was oh funny. wow okay yeah, so, so, <laughs> look there's a lot that i learned from that there's a lot that i learned from that i i um i made that decision really from a position of weakness for a whole load of reasons i mean that's a long story but um it was a learning experience but one that didn't really in the end cost me too dearly um i was able to kind of buy that person out on a, on a fairly favorable deal which is like kind of gave them their money back and we did a bit of production for them for a period of time so right. in the end it kind of worked out but it was um yeah it was it, there was a lot of learning in that one definitely sure so just to talk to me a bit so it was nine years that you you had your production company what was the what was the growth like what kind and um, what kind of work were you doing what kind of clients were you working on and and how did you build up your employees yeah so um we were doing mainly corporate work, um, doing mainly for the, for the majority of that time, we do mainly kind of corporate promos. Um, we were sort of straying into a little bit of branded content, but our bread and butter was kind of corporate work, um, anything from social media content through to kind of, um, higher end kind of promos, um, with a longer shelf life. And we built the team to, to six people. Um, so we remained kind of a, a small company, but we were really kind of really healthy, and um yeah a, a small business but one that i really really enjoyed right um how do we build the team um i think it was just a case of i always saw it as there were like windows of opportunity to kind of take on or to take the next step or to maybe you know to bring on the next person so it was it was maybe like bringing in a project that was particularly large or we'd bring in a retainer um that we thought okay now i've got the confidence to go on and kind of hire that next person so it was just kind of it wasn't rapid growth for us. It was kind of fairly steady growth. Um, as I said, remained a small company, but it was just about kind of, it was just my, my appetite was, was to grow the business because I was really interested in that idea of um, freeing myself up from tasks that I didn't really want to do. I was thinking that like, I worked really hard on my business, but it was almost driven a little bit from laziness. But like, right. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, there were certain things that I just, after a period of time, I was like, oh, I'm done doing this, right? I just really don't want to do this anymore. And that kind of always just kind of like spurred me on to kind of take that next step, I guess. And um, yeah. Nice. Um, so what kind of turnover did you get to sort of towards the end? I'm, I'm guessing you were sort of around about the million mark-ish? No, no, about half that amount, yeah. Okay, okay. Small <laughs> business, yeah. Okay, okay, nice. Um, and then... And sort of what roughly was the structure of the team? Because, you know, often with small businesses of that size, the founder is heavily, heavily involved. And, you know, all the inquiries come in through the founder and, you know, a lot of the systems and processes are in, in your head. So, so yeah, what was the kind of team structure like? Yeah, the structure was that I was, so what I managed to achieve was um, sort of freeing myself up from, from the operation of the projects but I was still very much kind of like the, you know, the sales function in the business and all, and all that kind of stuff would come through me. We did actually, I did actually sort of have a couple of stabs at kind of bringing that person in to kind of replace me for that, but um, just didn't quite click. That like, just didn't quite click. Mm. Just didn't quite find it. Um, so yeah, so inquiries would come in um, through myself. I'd obviously built up a net, network and a, and, and a really um, sort of good base of clients. They would come in through myself. I would kind of work on the creative ideas with the team um uh, so we'd built up and we had kind of three core like videographers i would always involve them in kind of creative ideas um they um yeah we'd, we'd come up with the ideas i'd pitch and then we'd hand over um and we'd hand over to like a, a sort of a 
kind of hybrid um, project manager, account manager kind of role, they would kind of take it from there. I would still be involved. I was still kind of, um, I like to just keep tabs and make sure that things were kind of going as they should, um, just being that kind of check and balance, but also kind of just challenging the team to kind of ask what I thought were the right questions, really. I always felt that like our video team, I was really proud of, they were, they were really talented guys. Um, but I, I kind of always felt that like they could kind of be a slightly blinkered to the marketing side, which is where I'd kind of, I suppose, um, my interest grew there, I guess, I, I suppose. So like what they would really focus on the production and making sure the production was right and making sure that it just looked and felt amazing and they all kind of flowed. And I was there to kind of ask questions around like, um, you know, does this work, you know, for the target audience and if you listen to this podcast and think that sometimes you'd like to be able to ask some of the speakers some questions that are specific to your exit, I've put together a little event which will give you the opportunity to do that. So on the 31st of January, I'm hosting the first Exit Plan Live event. Um, I've invited three speakers to join me. Nick Berry, M&A advisor and partner at Green Square. Lisa Pasca, who sold her SEO agency Verve to a network agency group. And Joe Lewin, the CEO of Foundy, an M&A marketplace. We'll be recording a live podcast followed by a Q&A that won't be recorded to give you the opportunity to ask the speakers about your plans for an exit. It's at the Riding House Cafe in Fitzrovia who do an excellent breakfast and it kicks off at 8am on the 31st of January. Link to buy tickets in the show notes and hopefully you can join us. Etc, etc. Well, that sounds like a good a good combination, really. Um, so how did, it come, how did the sale come about? Did you, were you looking to sell or did someone approach you? Um, so it was, it was, well, I'd say it was somewhat opportunistic, really. Um, I had in the back of my mind, I think I hadn't thought about it too consciously, but I thought from probably the couple of years beforehand, um, that if I had the opportunity to kind of move on to something else, maybe that's building up enough cash in the business that it just, it's, it's possible to close the business and, and walk away. Maybe that's, maybe that's selling. Um, if I had the opportunity that I would look at that quite, quite seriously, because I was, I guess just nine years, is a long time. Right. And, um, I've reached a point where I was kind of itching for a new challenge. I felt, um, and probably my passion for it wasn't where it was three, you know, two, three years prior where, you know, I was really on fire for this business and absolutely, you know, lived it and loved it kind of thing. So I was kind of, I was kind of there, um, we were already living overseas. So we're living in Central America in El, in El Salvador now. I was running the business from overseas and we were making that work. And that was kind of really my desire at that time and, and what we felt was right for myself and my family, which probably trumped what was absolutely right for the business. We made it work, but I don't think it was the perfect business to run remotely from the other side of the world, right? So there, was, there were a number of things involved. Um, we had... Um, another agency who I know were kind of sussing us out around that time, but I knew, I always knew with that, that I would have to stay on for quite a period of time. Um, or certainly that was what my kind of preconceptions were. Um, basically I decided to float the idea with our team, um, and to say, Hey, look, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that this is where I want to be long-term. Is there any interest for you guys to carry it forwards? Having like very tentative conversations. Um, and, uh, it just went from there. Yeah. Just went from there. We spent okay. about three and a half months kind of discussing things and just seeing if it was right and in the end yeah reached a point where we were able to kind of pull the trigger and, and go for it okay so who 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 was the eventual buyer then 
two of our videographers took, took, took the business on. So they, um, ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's effectively a management buyout. Right. And, um, right. Yeah. Those guys, I think it's one of, I think it's one of the things that I'm most proud of really is that, you know, I was able to kind of build a team that I don't know if it was me, if it was them, I don't quite know how it happened, but they were so invested in the business and I could trust them to a point where I felt that I was able to be kind of on the other side of the world running the business. And, and, um, and they were just brilliant. And to the point where they were kind of so invested that they kind of, that's where they saw their long-term future, even if I was to step out. Um, I think it's something I'm really proud of. So yeah, they're, they're um, starting out on a new journey, which they're really excited about. Um, and uh, yeah. Nice. So how did, okay. So how did the, um, how did you kind of agree on evaluation and how did you kind of structure the deal? Cause presumably they're coming to this without the cash to be able to just buy your shares. So I'm, yes. I'm assuming it's a, it's a buyout over a number of years. Yeah. Um, so, so how do we come to evaluation? So I think this is a really interesting one because my sort of my understanding of this sort of prior to going through this process was like, it's literally not worth selling an agency unless you're like five million pound revenue. Um, plus that's what I'd been told by sort of some consultants that we brought in at the time, um, which I think is interesting. They were obviously trying to push us to kind of go to the next level when I get that. Um, I don't think it's necessarily, necessarily true. It depends what you want out of the deal, I guess. Um, so your question was, how do we come to evaluation? The mm. advice I got when I started digging a little bit deeper um, into kind of right this is the situation I've kind of said to the guys that you know I might be interested in selling they've not been through this process before I've not been through this process before how do we kind of arrive at evaluation it was as simple as like what would I be willing to walk away for what would make sense for me and what are they able to buy for and it's kind of a meeting in the middle of those two things like it's literally as simple as that like we weren't working on like EBITDA or three times or five times multiples of profit just doesn't even factor in because if I'm if I'm talking about a five times multiple of profit and like you say they just haven't got that cash available to 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 make that work then it, then it just doesn't work right so my I think it's important sort of I think it works at a, at a lower level depending on what your objectives are and my my thought process for the kind of a few years prior is if I had the opportunity to move to, to walk away and to move on to the next thing um then I would take it because that's where my appetite was and that's where I feel I need to be long term, right? So so that's that was the process that we that we went through. How's the deal structured? There was a good portion of the deal that was cash up front, and there's a good portion of the deal that's that's cash that follows on. We're still going through that process, so it's probably kind of as much as I can say on it really, but um, you know, I can't talk specific figures or anything like that, but that that's kind of how we did it. Okay. And um how did they fund the the cash up front? portion of it i'm not really sure i can go too much into it because it's so fresh and it's so new and we're still going through the process and i probably know they probably wouldn't want me to share that they wouldn't want you to okay fine fine yeah no that's okay so what was the what stage have you got to it have you have you kind of signed have you signed everything yes i went through but it's fairly recent so it was about it was about six weeks ago now that that we kind of that it all got across and that kind of phase one was completed um so it's all kind of done and dusted and then kind of the the portion of the deal that sort of comes after the fact is working its way through right in terms of money that i will receive right okay so in terms of, and you've sold 100 percent of your shares right okay okay and so it's not the case that these deferred payments are are kind of 
you buying the equity slowly off you you've kind of you've 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 kind of given them all your equity and then you're going to get get some money for the next couple of years yeah that that's correct but yeah it was it was done in a way which was um uh it doesn't put us drastically at risk it's very very yeah. flat now no, i'm not giving you any specifics <laughs> sorry about that um uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Fine. Um, and were you able personally to to benefit from business asset disposal relief the the way that you did it, so that you were able to kind of take yeah, your absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. yeah that was something that I learned about as we went through the process. Um, so 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 yeah absolutely yeah that was that was good to learn about as we uh... yeah yeah I mean, it's uh, used to be called entrepreneurs tax relief and it means that if you've owned the shares as majority of the shares for a certain period of time and you sell them you 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 pay 10 percent tax rather than capital gains um so it's it's a very sort of tax efficient way of of taking money out of the business um and and sort of were you were you overseas kind of as you were negotiating this like how how did how did that sort of it was literally half and half situation so we came back to the uk for for like three months over the summer we had some things that we had to that to do and um to be honest when we came back to the uk i didn't know i was going to sell the business um and uh and you know a few things sort of came together in conversations with my wife that kind of led to us kind of floating the idea uh, whilst we were in the uk so the majority happened whilst we were there and then we kind of polished it off whilst i was over here but um but i think we've just kind of gotten used to that really because i'd you know i'd been working from overseas you know doing kind of remote calls and all that kind of stuff for so long. It was just kind of an extension of that process, really. So, so, um, so I guess just from a sort of emotional perspective, like how does it feel now that you've, you've sold, sold the business? Yeah, like it feels great. It's, um, it's for, like I said, it, I was really kind of craving a new challenge and um, I've been doing that, you know, I've been in that business for a long, long time. And, you know, I'm really enjoying and really excited about kind of attacking the next thing, which is, which is, which feels brilliant. Um, it's, I guess for me, it's, it was akin to, I, I think a lot of business owners and small business owners don't really realize that there might be an opportunity to sell. Like I think we, we tend to think it's kind of the big payout that means I'll never have to work again or nothing. And I think what I've learned is that's not really true. And I think that's quite a useful message. I hope it's quite useful message for people to hear like since since selling and since i kind of put stuff on linkedin i've there's so many people have kind of reached out to me who probably have a similar size of business who are like oh how, how did you do this and how did it get structured and like and i think you know it's not for me like the big payout that means i'll never have to work again but it is an opportunity that i thought was right that buys us a really good amount of time to go and attack the next thing and to feel really kind of I'm not sure if I'd ever feel safe and secure in that, but it it allows us to kind of go and take that next step. And that, I guess that's kind of when I'm speaking to people about what we've just done, that's kind of my message really is like it is, there are possibilities, there are ways of doing it if you're resourceful. Um, and it's for me akin to like a really get great redundancy payment as opposed to like, hey, this is my millions. That means I'll never have to work again. So did you kind of weigh it up against just you know, putting a manager in, keeping the business and, and sort of having essentially, you know, passive in inverted commas income from, from that business? Like, was that a consideration? For, for me, it wasn't really. No, I, I've, be, I've been really like quite heavily involved in the agency space 
generally and and we've been connected with sort of you know 100 200 different agencies through the uk and um you know would speak to on a monthly basis agency owners with you know 50 100 people and um it's not been my experience to kind of see any agency owners really that are able to kind of detach themselves from that business um i i see them being very heavily involved and i think it's a it's a business that you have I don't know if this is a true statement but that was my that was my belief at the time was that you kind of have to be invested in and and that's kind of what I saw my appetite was to kind of move on to the next thing so I didn't you know it was much more attractive for me to kind of say right let me get a positive outcome from this from what I've worked so hard on over these nine years and let me kind of move on with kind of a completely kind of clean slate and headspace to really attack the next thing um, I think that was the thing for me is like I tried a number of times to start kind of projects on the side, but I felt like, you know, the, to some, to some extent, the business model, to some extent, just the nature of kind of running a video production company, I found personally with my personal capacity, I found it really difficult to carve out the headspace and the time to really go and attack that kind of next thing, which is ultimately what I wanted to, I got to a stage, which is what I wanted to do. Um, and so that, that for me was kind of more important than, or, or weighed more heavily, I guess, than, uh, you know, could, could this become a passive income thing? I didn't really see it as that yeah. type of business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no that's really interesting. Um, in terms of sort of legal legal fees and stuff, like how, how at what point did you get lawyers involved? Did, yeah. you know, how much heavy lifting was there from their side? Because I, I know that, you know, bills can rack up quite quickly. Were you able to do it quite simply? We did it very simply, yeah, for that for that reason. So we, we discussed um, between the two parties that we didn't want two sets of lawyers who were just going to kind of, you know, go back and forth racking up, racking up bills. Um, I, you know, I did take legal advice kind of myself. Um, and then we had kind of a company that, that draw up legal contracts kind of do that for us jointly. I wouldn't say it's a perfect process. Um, probably didn't make it easier for everyone. You know, they're obviously selling or buying a business. My understanding is it's a tough process. It's really hard, no matter how you look at it. And it, and it was tough in times, you know, there's no getting around that. But that's what we did to, to, you know, to ultimately mean that the guys buying the business, you know, weren't having to find more cash. Um, and for me, that there was, it was still worthwhile going through the process and coming out the other side in a good position. How long did it take from, from sort of that first conversation with those two guys about them buying it to, to you handing over the keys? Yeah, yeah about, about three and a half months. That's quick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah and um, so, so what are you up to now? Like, what's, what, what's the plan for the next yeah. 10 years? Yeah, 10 years, I don't know. But um, so it's an interesting experience. Like, you sell, sell, sell the business take a little bit of time off, spend time with the family. And then you kind of set a date where you're like, right, I'm going to kind of start working now. You sit down and you've got this like completely blank slate where you could do absolutely anything, but at the same time do absolutely nothing. Um, so it's an interesting experience. Now, my, my, um, my, my intention now, um, or what I've already started doing is doing some coaching with, with, with other video companies, which is something that I've been really enjoying, um, as well as launching other ventures, which is, like I said, has been my appetite for a period of time. Um, I don't have concrete answers on that one yet, potentially going down the e-commerce route, potentially going down something quite different, but that's, that's more of a longer, longer play really. And I, I kind of, um, you know, I'm not rushing that 
that I just want to just want to enjoy and see how it unfolds. Be curious. I kind of define like a set of criteria that I want to move forwards with. So it's like a like any business that I start, what kind of the elements of that business that I believe will go, help me to go and be successful. Um, but also just kind of like a a bit of a framework to follow because I felt like it it's so open and there's so many options that it could be so, like debilitating and I could start to procrastinate very easily, right? So just I kind of like had in my head that I'm, I'm going to start wide, going to be really curious, I'm going to explore ideas, I'm going to test and iterate and kind of measure everything. My, my brother's a product manager, so he's always talking about, you know, testing and iterating and and um, and, and not diving in, in headlong, spending six months on doing something perfectly and then finding out there's no demand. Um, so just playing around and, and then as soon as we find, find things that kind of click, both of me personally and in terms of demand, then kind of doubling nice and with the coaching that you're doing is that is that mainly with production companies in the uk are you doing it all remotely uh all, all remote yeah okay okay nice nice uh cool all right well yeah great 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 to hear your story i mean kind of looking back on it and reflecting anything anything that you would have done differently yeah <laughs> definitely um definitely I, I think you know it was my first time selling a business i've not sold a business before um and i think because in the context of you know businesses that are being bought and bought and sold this is a, this is a tiny deal right and so there wasn't the the resources there to sort of hire somebody to guide us through the process and i think for that reason i think you know we we probably made the process you know tougher than it could have been if i was to do it again i think i would just kind of really think up front about kind of what's the roadmap here you know what are the steps that we're going to have to go through how should the deal be structured from the outset because i think that would prevent kind of you know going down one route and then kind of figuring out that oh actually it doesn't work for both sides we're going to have to pivot here i think we could have got much closer to the final outcome or you would get much closer to the final outcome just having that experience and um i i couldn't have done that differently because i didn't have the experience at the time but i think it's you know obviously now i have if i go through that process again if I buy a business, for example, you know, I'd know, know what to expect. What, what are the kind of, um, what are some of the deal structures that you thought you were going to do, but then turned out not to, not to work? Um, how do I answer that? There was a, there was, um, there was some sort of discussion around, which route we should go down um mm -hmm. one was a, a share sale one was a an asset sale and we'd yep. learned a bit about those things as we've gone through the process um and i had thought that it would at one point be good to go down the asset sale route and then kind of discovered that it wasn't really going to make sense for tax purposes um and 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 so and and so that hadn't worked we didn't lose a lot of time but i think it's just little things like that along along the process that yeah yeah totally i mean share sale tends to benefit the seller and an asset sale tends to benefit the buyer yeah, so probably. you often get like a little bit of back and forth and yeah yeah i mean ultimately it comes yeah a lot of it comes down to tax considerations yes yeah which again we just learned as we went through the process so it you know i just think that you know little things like that we didn't lose loads of time but i think it was just energy invested that then we had to kind mm. of more energy to kind of go and say okay well that doesn't quite work and um, i now understand why let's look at kind of what the alternative is and uh, yeah we, we ended up doing a share sale which should have been the case from the outset really but, uh, yeah right 
Nice. Awesome. Uh, well, that's great. Thank you very much. That's uh, uh, yeah, great to hear your story. And I think, um, yeah, great. You know, a lot of people, uh, you know, do think about kind of, you know, selling selling their agency or their production company to a you know a bigger competitor or to private equity and sort of have this idea that it's going to be this big big event. But I think it's really useful to see that it can just be selling it to two of your key employees. And I hope uh, hope hope it goes yes, hope it goes well for them. And hope you enjoy your your time figuring out what's what's next. Cool. Yeah, appreciate that, Barnaby. Thanks so much. Cool. Welcome to M and A Q and A with Nick Berry, M&A advisor to media and marketing agencies, who is a partner at Green Square. Each week, he answers one listener question. Okay, this is a quite a technical question. Um, so how do so when you are buying a business, how do you go about agreeing on how much working capital should be left Ooh. in the business? Okay, <laughs> so this is one of the trickiest parts of doing a deal and it's one of the bits that can be very contentious so the principle here without trying to get too technical is that if you're buying or selling a business on a cash-free debt-free basis um evaluation will be agreed and a way of paying that money up front and or over a period of time through an earnout <coughs> will be agreed <coughs> sorry excuse me um and further to that, you would then have to agree what the excess working capital is. So working capital is more than just cash that's in the bank. It's what makes up your debtors, it's what, what makes up any, any creditors that are coming due, etc. And essentially a picture of your average working capital over a period of time needs to be agreed. Um, now, the excess working capital is essentially what's left on top of the, the level of working capital that is required to keep the business going for a period of time post sale. So when somebody acquires a business, they're acquiring it as a going concern and they expect it to be um, to, 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 to self-fund and to operate as it was over a period of time without them having to pump money in it to, to fund it. So the simple way of looking at this is when you agree an amount of excess working capital, which can be taken as part of the deal in excess of the valuation, that has to be an amount that you can comfortably take out of the business without the business then struggling in terms of cash flow thereafter. So there's ways of working that out. And when people are doing due diligence on behalf of sellers, etc., they will take a view on what the normal requirements of working capital are. Um, and sellers may take a different view of what that normal level of working capital is. But ultimately, it has to be agreed. And if you take money out of the business as part of the deal, and then the business struggles in the following months, you've basically taken out too much in terms of excess working capital. <laughs> Sorry, now I'm coughing all over the place. Yes, yeah. I mean, you can see how there's... Um... You know, it's in the interest of the buyer to argue that number up, and it's in the interest of the seller to argue it down as much as possible, so you can sort of see how. Um, well, just to be clear, to argue, can... yeah, to argue the amount of required working capital, it, a seller should would normally be arguing up the amount of excess working capital, and a buyer would right. be arguing down the amount of excess working capital. Right. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and yeah, I'm sure that sure that creates um, creates issues. Um, yeah. And, and as I say, it's one of the, it's, it's a complicated thing. And 
particularly in smaller businesses, if you have peaks and troughs and if you have seasonality, etc., then that 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 pays a, plays a big part in it. If you've just had a particularly good kind of nine months up to the point when you you do a deal, that should help in terms of cash at the bank and the overall level of of, of, of working capital there is to play with. Um, whereas if you've just had a tight few months, it can be different. So that's why looking at a trailing twelve months or looking at an average over over whatever period of time is deemed uh, agreeable is a sensible way of trying to establish what that baseline level of working capital is. Okay, great stuff. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to the Exit Plan podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review to help other people find us. If you would like your question answered in M&A Q&A or are wondering what's next for you and your business and want to chat about an exit plan, drop me an email on barnaby at foxcogroup.com or get in touch with me on LinkedIn.